Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, social media, big tech companies are all blamed for dividing us and making people more intolerant of other views. But there is some new analysis that says, not so fast, my friend. It may not be just big tech that are the ones that are really dividing us uh, as a nation. It may actually be a look in the mirror moment. Helping us break that down, uh, Joe Lancaster, who reports for Reason Magazine and Reason.com, has a great piece out, uh, really challenging that assumption. It's easy to blame social media for all the problems and divisiveness, but it might be a look in the mirror moment. Uh, Joe, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Boyd. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, so tell me what you learned in uh, in your research and your studies here. What is it? Uh, is it us? <laughs> is it me? Or is it the internet? This is a problem. <laughs> As as it turns out, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, like you say, we all kind of assumed all along that, you know, the, uh, the, the political polarization, the kind of where we all retreat into our, uh, our various corners even further than we have before, uh, we've always kind of assumed and been, you know, it's kind of reinforced itself over the last few years that it's because, you know, when we go online, we kind of cloister ourselves in our own bubbles, we... Um, and the, you know, the algorithms on Facebook and YouTube and things like that, they kind of drive us further and further away. As it turns out, there's a new study that just came out uh, within the past week or so that looked at those trends. Um, and it turns out that, uh, that yeah, uh, social media does not drive political polarization. And in fact, uh, polarization drives our social media use. Oh, and that's just such an interesting thing for us to, to really break down is, of how we're doing this and how we're adding it. So from the study, what else uh, What else were you able to glean and figure out in terms of, one, how we got where we are, but then more importantly, how do we move forward? Yeah, I mean, it. Um, the, the study actually comes out on kind of a positive note, uh, ironically, that, you know, we, we don't have to worry about social media because, I mean, it's, if anything, at this point, if we even if we wanted to kind of you know get rid of social media or crack down on it, I, I doubt that we could. It's it's you know it's the genie's out of the bottle at that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the study kind of kind of says that the upside to this these findings are that after all, you know the those various platforms that we spend so much time on every day aren't actually an existential threat to democracy like we kind of uh, either assumed or were told. Um, 
So I guess that's a. Uh, <laughs> I guess we we may be the existential threat, is what you're really saying. <laughs> I, I I can't I, I I can't help you with that, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, well, the the findings are so interesting in this. This was uh, both a uh, study uh, coming out of Europe, but also uh, University of Michigan uh, found some very similar things uh, on this uh, particular topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, that was another thing that I was uh, kind of surprised to learn is that uh, uh, another. A reason colleague here, Robbie Suave, has a book coming out today, uh, and I uh, cited it in the piece because it, it ended up being fitting so well. Uh, the study that I was talking about a moment ago was limited specifically to uh, Facebook and Twitter, but there's research from YouTube uh, or about YouTube that uh, says the same thing. You know, we um, we've been hearing about algorithms for for several years, saying that you know anybody. Even, you know, children can go on and look at uh, perfectly wholesome programming and the, the autoplay where it guesses what you want to look at next. It, in, in no time, it'll turn you to, you know, extreme misinformation or, or um, you know, radical um, uh, content. As it turns out, on, in the actual, like on paper, with the actual data shows, that's just not true. It's much more likely that even if you start with radical content, you will come to much more mainstream content if you just let it play. And the, the algorithm, as it turns out, is not trying to turn all of its, uh, uh, all of its uh, customers into, into lunatics. Yeah. <laughs> which is, which is comforting. <laughs> which is, yeah, which is semi-comforting anyway, because I think some of us show up as lunatics and <laughs> we're hoping for a reversal there. Uh, if you're just joining us, we have exactly. Joe Lancaster on the line with us from Reason Magazine and Reason.com. This is really important. Uh, because we do often, it's easy to shrug your shoulders and say, not my fault, not my problem, not my job. Uh, it, uh, and so one, we point to the social media companies as the problem. Uh, and then we have this other component to it, which is this whole idea. And you pointed it out so well, Joe, of them. Uh, and the moment we declare another group or another person to be them, uh, that seems to be the real driving line in terms of, of division. Absolutely. Yeah, that um, the the study, the original study, talks about, uses the term affective polarization, and what that basically means is it's just it's kind of an us versus them mentality. Uh, it defines it as a growing dislike and distrust of a politically defined outgroup, such as certain parties and their supporters. So this is this is something much different than you know I'm a Republican, so I only vote for Democrats or. I'm a Democrat, so I think Republicans are wrong. This is something much more sinister where, you know, you think that there's not only that your ideological opponents are wrong, but that there is something wrong about them and about the way they think. That, and that is what kind of can be so pernicious about, about this stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that culture of contempt where, you know, you are worthless because you disagree with me. You have no value. So then I can, you know, blow up your Facebook page or melt down your, your social media feed and, and still sleep at night and go to church on Sunday and feel good about myself. Um, but that sure. that effective yeah. uh, polarization, I think, is a real uh, thing and deserves a, a real deep dive in terms of how we deal with that. Because, again, more more than it's social media, more than it's political polarization, I think it's a contempt uh, problem uh, mm-hmm. when we start getting into that them space uh, that gets us in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and uh, I mean that's 
honestly, it might be it might actually be comforting if it if it had been the case that social media was making us this way, because at least then we can point to something. Ironically, we can uh, assign this to a them that whose fault it is. But as it turns out, no, the uh, the call was coming from inside the house the whole time. Yeah. Well, it's always time for a good look in the mirror. Joel Lancaster, appreciate you joining us. Great yes. insight. Uh, Reason Magazine. You can also see that on Reason.com. Uh, we'll have you back again. We've got to continue this conversation. This is a, a crucial one for us to have. Thanks so much for having me. All right, we're going to step aside for one last commercial break. That is so critical. we got to look in the mirror, folks, this effective polarization where we're assigning it because we disagree with people. We may be the problem. No more shoulder shrugging. Time for some shoulder squaring. We're going to continue the conversation coming up next. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.